These are the commentary notes for week five, day four, covering Mark 7, verses 24 to 37. When Jesus arrived in what verse 24 says, the region of Tyre, when he had entered a house, he wanted no one to know of it. Jesus was not looking to build his brand, and he needed no PR department to aid him in gaining a reputation. In keeping with Mark's focus on Jesus as the humble servant, Jesus is fully content to live in obscurity, knowing he ever lived beneath the loving gaze of the Father. You could see that in chapter 1, 23 to 25, 134, 311 and following, 5, 6 and following, 920, and so on, uh, 736, 826. But even though he wanted no one to know of it, verse 24, the verse concludes, yet he could not escape notice. Mark's narrative never permits Jesus to find rest on earth, which means he can both sympathize and provide when we are weary and worn out. Then, in another surprising shift of Jesus' attention, Mark's narrative turns toward, quote, a woman of the Syrophoenician race, verse 25 and 26. The word translated race in the New American Standard, genai, is rendered birth in the ESV. The lexical range for this word elsewhere in the New Testament is descendant, nation, ethnic group, kind, meaning a category, class, or genus, close quote. It is essential to a biblical anthropology to understand that there is only one human race. While there are beautifully rich ethnicities among humanity, all people are, quote, made from one man, Acts 17.26. In his ministry to the Syrophoenician woman's family, Jesus was also seeking to dismantle the asininity of individuals' ethnocentric pride. More broadly, Jesus is revealing that he is the fulfillment of God's promised blessing to all the families of the earth, close quote, spoken to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. While the preceding passage shows that Jesus' view of man's heart is desperately wicked, here he models divine compassion toward one whom all in his day would perceive as unworthy of God's attention. Jesus came in order to, to display God's worldwide, all people's tender love. Verse 25 reads, A woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately came and fell at his feet. As seen earlier in Mark's narrative, the unclean spirit was entirely subject to the will of Jesus in verses 29 and 30. The crux of this account, though, is the interchange between the woman and Jesus. Verse 27 and 28, He was saying to her, Let the children be satisfied first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table feed on the children's crumbs. In this, is this a case of dehumanizing self-deprecation on her part? I'm a dog. Is Jesus' statement and her response beneath a proper view of one's humanity? Is Jesus here demeaning the woman? No. Hendrickson stated, quote, The meaning is the messianic blessing must be bestowed first on the Jews, then on the Gentiles, close quote. Instead of balking at God's purpose in initially sending the Savior as a Jewish person to the Jewish people, this woman humbled herself beneath the mighty hand of God, willing to receive from the Lord as he saw fit. In turn, she was lifted up, as was her daughter, 
quote, in the plan of God, it had been decided that the blessings centering in Christ were to be offered first to the children, that is to the Jews, Hendrickson, close quote. This is what Paul meant in referring to the gospel as the power of God for all who believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. Unapologetically, Jesus was sent, quote, as a servant to the circumcision, Romans 15.8, that is the Jewish people. But in keeping with God's eternal decree, most of Israel rejected their Savior. And as this woman shows, God's redeeming mercies are being manifested among the believing Gentile race, Genai. Have you humbled yourself? as an undeserving sinner beneath the feet of Jesus, appealing to him for his mercy and grace. In verses 31 to 37, when Jesus came, quote, to the region of the Decapolis, verse 31, one who was deaf and spoke with difficulty, verse 32, was brought to Jesus. Instead of speaking a word as he had done to relieve the woman's daughter of the unclean spirit, here Jesus employed many physical expressions to heal. Verse 33, Jesus took him aside from the crowd by himself. Jesus labored to avoid pomp and show. He was altogether uninterested in public fanfare. Then Jesus, quote, put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, he touched his tongue with the saliva. Verse 33, imagine that. Jesus here demonstrates his deep pity, verse 34, for a man, for this man by drawing as near as possible to the man's most sin-stricken areas his ears, and his mouth. Looking up to heaven, verse 34, with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephaphtha, that is, be opened. The constant converse Jesus had with his father, even in his engagements with others, is here put on vivid display. To his heavenly father, Jesus looked and deeply sighed, and to his fellow man, Jesus spoke. As seen here, Jesus was instant in prayer at all times. You can see that also in so many places, like Matthew 11 25 to 27, where Jesus goes back and forth between converse with the Father and with his fellow man. The words spoken by Jesus in this man's healing demonstrate his sovereignty over all things, including sin's curse and consequences. ESV Study Bible closes our notes for today. The healing not only demonstrates Jesus' power, it also allows him to confront his disciples by word and deed with the problem of spiritual deafness and blindness. For more on the Messianic messianic secret, that is, tell no one, you could see your um, study notes or the audio notes on that theological spotlight, the Messianic secret. God bless.